for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. Four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. on Monday night here on the East Coast of the United States. You know what day and time it is wherever you are listening uh, to the Steve Malzberg Show and in some cases, of course, watching. And boy, I can't wait. At uh, the bottom of the hour, we have um, one of the most famous, uh, they call him America's rabbi, and um, I've known him for years and years and years, uh, Rabbi uh, Shmuley Boteik, uh, gonna discuss how the uh, conflict uh, in the Middle East, the war in the Middle East uh, is being handled by this administration. The pressure's on Joe Biden, is he capitulating? Um, all that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I did want to start with Joe Biden's um, approval rating, which uh, today has hit a new low. A Monmouth University poll shows that Joe Biden's approval rating is at 34 percent, 34 percent. It had been at a low of 36 percent in June of 2022. Um, it was 54% in January and April of 2021, shortly after he took office. Actually, January, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, it says just after taking office. Okay, so um, it, 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 it can't get much worse. And I think the, the, they say that um, there was always a qualifier when you say, oh, he's got the lowest rating since, you know, ever, except for Jimmy Carter who was president from 1976 to 1980, ran for re-election and didn't make it. And he was awful. May he rest, uh, I'm sorry, he's still alive. His wife, may, his wife just passed away, Rosalind Carter. Anyway, but now, you, now I think this is lower than Jimmy Carter was at this point in his first term. So that caveat, the qualifier, the asterisk goes away. You don't have to say except for Jimmy Carter anymore. I mean, he is in bad shape. He is in very, very bad shape. And um, I give the thumbs up to, uh, to the studio because uh, they always do right by me. So, okay. So that aside now, let's turn our attention to Donald Trump. You know, <laughs> if the media didn't have Donald Trump, if they didn't have Donald Trump, what on earth would they talk about? What would that? He's the let me look. He's the Nazi. He's the Mussolini. He's a dictator. He's going to execute people. He's going to lock people up. His enemies. He's gonna, the end of democracy. He's a Nazi. He's Hitler. I mean, it never ends. It never ends. And there's never really been a good reason for any of the accusations. So when they repeat them over and over and over and over, say, so, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So the latest, the latest that he's a wannabe Hitler, that he's going to be a Hitler, that, yeah, because that, he loves Hitler, apparently. Again, the man with an Orthodox Jewish daughter, Orthodox Jewish son-in-law, and Jewish grandkids who did so much for Israel, he wants to be Hitler. Um, anyway, so here is what he said. He was uh, on the campaign trail over the weekend. You may have seen this, you may have heard this, and this is cut number 
217. And they've destroyed our country and we're going to make it great again, greater than ever before. And there's nothing I can do that's going to top that. I've had plenty of the other life, right? We've had plenty of the other life. We got a lot of work to do. You know, when they let, I think the real number is 15, 16 million people into our country. When they do that, we got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. They poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world they're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world. They're pouring into our country. Nobody's even looking at them. They just come in. Uh, the crime is going to be tremendous. The terrorism is going to be, terrorism is going to be, and then we built a tremendous piece of the wall and then we're going to build more. And uh, the election was rigged. Okay. And then he went on and on and on and on. So, of course, they're going after him that, you know, for what he said about immigrants and they poisoned the line of crap. Apparently Hitler said similar things. It just doesn't end. It just doesn't end. Do I wish Donald Trump would shut the hell up a lot of times? Do I wish he wouldn't say half the things he says? Yes. But does that mean that he he means these things literally? And, you know, when he says that uh, I met Kim Jong-un, he's a good guy. Does that mean he thinks that that we should love him, that he would welcome him in in his administration? You know what I mean? Of course not. When he says that Hezbollah is smart, does that mean he's rooting for Hezbollah? Of course not. When he says Putin is this or that and I like Putin or whatever, he's smart. He's Does that mean, oh, Boy, he, he wishes he could be like Putin. He wish no. And the media knows that. But Trump is Trump. He's always said these kinds of things. He's always flown off the handle. He always expresses himself in a weird way. Even when we played you uh, the soundbite in the video of Jesse Jackson a couple of weeks ago, 1999, praising Donald Trump for giving his organization, for giving Jackson's organization, the Rainbow Push Coalition, building space down on Wall Street. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he, he cares, Trump cares. Sometimes that, that gets lost in his messaging, in the way he speaks. That was in 1999. I could tell you it's been that way ever since I knew him from 1983, okay? And the media knows this, of course they know it. He was president for four years. What did he do that was Nazi-like? What did he do? He didn't even finish building the wall, okay? I mean, give me a break. So anyway, you know, you know how the, what the reaction was. And I am going to give you some examples of the reaction to what you just heard Trump say, which is just more Trump speaking. I'm not saying he's not to be believed. I'm not saying, but, but I think Brian Kilmeade on Fox and Friends this morning said it kind of best. He's just saying, I want America to be America. I want America to continue to be America. You can't let 12,000 illegal immigrants into this country in one day. In one day. You can't allow that. Now, if Trump had said that, they'd still go after him. He's a xenophobe, you know. But it would have been better than the way he said it. But I agree with Kilmeade. He wants to keep America, America. And now if I say that, there's something wrong with me too. They'll have a label for me. They'll have a name for me. But what the hell's wrong with wanting to keep America, America? 
And don't tell me I've heard from the left, we're all immigrants. Uh, no, I'm not. My parents weren't immigrants and I'm not an immigrant. <laughs> you know, we're all immigrants. And, and the, the, the immigrants who came here over the many years and our ancestors and whatever, I mean, even, you know, in the last hundred years or so, my grandparents, they came here legally. They didn't break into the country. Okay, so there's a difference. Now, if Trump could say it like that, again, they'd still go after him, but they couldn't say Hitler. But by now, people are immune to that because they, how many times have they said it about him? All right, so here we go. So let's uh, give you some, some reaction to this. Let's go, uh, this, my friends, is Jake, Jake Tapper on CNN, who always looks, I'm sorry, forgive me, always looks like he's got this taste in his mouth that he just can't get rid of it okay you might want to notice that if you're watching here is cut 220. hello i'm jake tapper in washington where the state of our union is frankly stunned watching the leading republican presidential candidate donald trump quote one of our nation's foremost adversaries vladimir putin as a sort of character witness while on the stump in New Hampshire last night. Vladimir Putin of Russia says that Biden's, and this is a quote, politically motivated persecution of his political rival is very good for Russia because it shows the rottenness of the American political system, which cannot pretend to teach others about democracy. One might think such a point need not be made, but... Vladimir Putin, a former KGB official with blood on his hands, who regularly sides with American adversaries, both rhetorically and with arms, and who right now has at least two Americans, Evan Gershkovich and Paul Whelan, unjustly detained. Vladimir Putin is not a credible source of information about American democracy, much less American jurisprudence. Again. This was what I told you about Putin also. We'll get to the, to the direct reaction to what he said about the immigrants in a second. What is he? So what is he saying? What is he praising Putin? Is he saying, I'm going to be like Putin? Is he saying Putin is our friend, not our enemy? Is he saying, you know, what Russia is doing in Ukraine is wonderful? Is he, what is he saying? He's saying that, that in, 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 you know, Putin, they're using this as an example of the things that, that Biden is doing to him as an example of how, you know, we can't claim to be democracy, whatever. He's citing something. He's, 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 he's saying, showing how what's happening here that the media will never recognize, how it's playing in Putin's Russia, with Putin and with others in Russia. So right away, oh, Trump is Putin. Trump loves Putin. I mean, oh, Putin's holding our hostages. Yes, terrible. What does it have to do so he can't mention Putin? He can't educate the audience he's speaking to, to what's taking place there uh, 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 on a political level here, their reaction to what's happening here. I mean, again, again, just nonsense, nonsense. And so let's go now to um, to cut to uh, 18. And this, this, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I do believe, if I can find it, is, um, hmm. I should shut up until, oh yeah, okay, 218, CNN, Jim Acosta, over the weekend, remember Jim Acosta when he was the White House correspondent covering Trump? 
<laughs> and Trump used to say to him, sit down, sit down. Oh, those were those were those were priceless back and forths. Uh, here's cut to 18. Former President Donald Trump is again making uh, some very incendiary comments about immigrants, uh, talking about immigrants poisoning the blood of this country. He used that kind of rhetoric earlier today in New Hampshire. Why it sounds like an appeal to white supremacists, because in many cases it is an appeal to white supremacists. This is, you know, this is fascist rhetoric. Uh, the worries about polluting the blood of the superior race uh, go as a standard of Nazism. It's not just the Nazis. It's also fascists in Italy. Uh, Mussolini literally talked about killing rats to go back to Trump's use of vermin in an earlier speech. He talked about killing rats who were bringing uh, infectious diseases and communism into Italy. So, you know, this is fascist rhetoric and he's using it for a very precise purpose. And this is fascist rhetoric. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then Ron, Ron Brownstein, uh, who was also on the, the panel there with Acosta, uh, had this to say in cut to 19. Trump has shown there is an audience in the Republican coalition in particular for all of these kinds of arguments. You know, in polls while he was president, 90 percent of Republicans said Christianity in the U.S. is under attack. Three quarters uh, said that discrimination against whites is now a bigger problem as discrimination against minorities. And in multiple polls, Jim, uh, 55 to 60 percent of Republicans said the traditional way of American life is disappearing so fast that true patriots may have to use force to preserve it. So there is an audience for this. But as you note, there is also a substantial audience uh, that has been mobilized in three consecutive elections to prevent this vision from being implemented. Yeah, Republicans love it. Republicans are fascists and they love when their candidate speaks like a fascist. That's what this is all about. And of course, of course, if you look at what this administration in this country right now under Joe Biden and the people who are really running the administration, what they have done to Trump. You know, Trump might be out there now speaking. Trump's going to be in court in case after case after case, starting very soon, starting next year, leading up to the election, could be in jail. So. You know, and what the FBI and others have done to Catholic churches and 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 uh, pro uh, pro life people and and parents at uh, at, at uh, school board meetings and right right on down the list, right on down the line. It, it, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. And Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and the whole thing. That's a whole nother issue. We'll get to that tomorrow. We're going to go in depth uh, with our friend uh, Mike McCormick on uh, on on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. But I want you to hear Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough weighing in on uh, on uh, this whole thing. Here is uh, cut number 222. We're in fight uh, for for American democracy, and he's becoming more and more explicit on how he wants to take American democracy down. Yeah. Jonathan, let me let me ask you, though, uh, you know, one year from now, um, it could be over. American democracy could be over. Donald Trump, one year from now, could win. Uh, he's told us what he's going to do. Uh, so when I say American democracy is going to be over, it's, I haven't said this. Donald Trump's a guy that said it. He's the one that's talking about executing generals that are 
uh, not loyal enough to him, the guy that's talking about terminating the Constitution if it gets in the way of his power. He's a guy that's talking about taking off news networks that he disagrees with. He's a guy that's talking about uh, prosecuting and putting in jail people who disagree with him. He's the one saying that. So you for now can all be over. The American experiment at an end, one year from now. <laughs> wow. He's really Trump derangement syndrome, man. Trump derangement syndrome. Oh, a year from now, American democracy is over. Uh, first of all, a year from now, Joe Biden, if he's if he wants to and he's healthy, will still be president. Right. December of next year, even if he loses the election. Um, so how is democracy over a year from now? Trump won't be president until uh, a year and a month from now if he wins. But don't confuse Joe with the facts. I mean, that's <laughs> listen to this. Just listen to this guy. It's crazy. It's just insane what he's saying. Talk about executing generals and Baba the and uh, suspending the Constitution if it gets in the way of what he wants to do. You mean like forgiving student loans? When the Supreme Court ruled he had no authority to forgive student loans, Joe Biden. And then after that, what does Joe Biden do? He forgives different student loans, which he still has no authority to do. You mean like the, I think it was, oh my gosh, I wish I knew the number. The 10, 10 times that the Supreme Court uh, overturned things that Barack Obama's administration did? 10 times. You mean like that? Like abusing the authority? You mean ending democracy like that? Give me a break. You mean like when Barack Obama at the beginning of his first term, well, when he was running, said that uh, I, I have I have a pen and I have a phone. And you know what that is? Executive orders and organizing protests and people. What does that sound like? Someone who loves democracy? I have a pen. Please. But again, no context. You'll never hear them say Scarborough bring that up after he says what he just said. Oh, no. Fake news by omission is what they, they practice. The most dangerous kind of fake news. No context. No perspective. No comparing, letting you know how that what happened, what's being said or done falls into what other presidents have done, what other presidents have said. Right? No, no. Trump's the only one to ever say anything like this, do anything like this. And of course, he didn't say, please, please don't get me started on this. I can't get started on this. Lindsey Graham, Republican Lindsey Graham, was pressed on Meet the Press by Kristen Welker about she wanted him to weigh in and specifically denounce or whatever on exactly what Trump said about the poison, the poisoning the blood of America. And she wouldn't quit. And to his credit, he did well. So let's give a look at Lindsey Graham. And uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is cut 223. The Biden campaign has accused former President Trump of, quote, parroting Adolf Hitler. What is your reaction? Are the president's comments representative of how you and other Republicans feel? 76 percent of the American people, not Donald Trump, believe the border is broken. They're worried about fentanyl coming over, killing their but kids. But what about his language, Senator? Well, but, Just that language, that poisoning the blood. You know, I, I'm worried about an outcome. 
He is right. To want to, he had the border secured, the lowest in 40 years in December of 2020. To the Biden administration, you're talking about Donald Trump's language, as you said on the sidelines, and allowed the country to be invaded. 172 people on the terrorist watch list have come on your watch. Fentanyl is killing Senator, more Americans Senator, than any time in history. Just on the language, just on the language, though, I want to get your response. You have endorsed former President Trump. Are yeah. you comfortable with him using words like that? She's not giving up. And here's his response. Next cut. We're talking about language. I could care less what language people use as long as we get it right. I believe in legal immigration. I have no animosity toward people trying to come to our country. I have animosity against terrorists and against drug dealers. But I understand why people want to come to America. But we have chaos and we need to create order. If you think you're going to win the debate on illegal immigration by picking a line out of the Trump speech, most Americans understand the game has to change, that we're under threat, that we're going to get attacked, that our border has completely been obliterated. So if you're talking about the language Trump uses rather than trying to fix it, that's a losing strategy for the Biden administration. Good answer. Excellent answer, right? Excellent answer. Let Biden call it whatever he wants. Hitler, Nazi, let him say whatever the hell he wants. Here's one more because Kristen Welker really won't uh, <laughs> won't go away on this. So here is uh, cut number 225. Do you think he would appeal to more people, though, if he chose different words on that argument? You know, I think the president has a way of talking sometimes I disagree with, but he actually delivered on the border. People are looking for results. If the only thing you want to talk about on immigration is the way Donald Trump talks, you're missing a lot. Just finally, is it the position of the Republican Party that African and Asian immigrants are poisoning the blood of the people in this country? No, it's the position of the Republican Party that we've lost control of the border, that terrorists are coming, that there's never been a higher threat to the United States from a terrorist attack from a broken border. But immigrants, uh, people coming to America, we are many people coming to be one. We've lost control of our border. There are people coming here who are selling drugs. There are people coming here raping and murder. And there are people coming here trying to have a better life. The terrorists are coming here to kill us. After October the 7th, how easy is it to get into our country through a broken border and kill a bunch of us? To my Democratic colleagues, you're not going to get away with keeping this border broken. Those are fighting words, baby, fighting words. And by the way, these terrorists that he believes have entered this country, where are they? Are they the ones sleeping in the streets in New York, sleeping in the streets in Chicago, sleeping in a shelter in Chicago or any other city, San Francisco? Where are they? Who are they? We have no clue because the Democrats couldn't care less, couldn't care less. The only issue that the Democrats have to save themselves is abortion. And if Republicans weren't afraid of abortion as an issue, they'd win that one too by explaining it. But every other issue, whether it's the economy, whether it's immigration, whether it's what's going on in our schools, indoctrination of our children, Lose, lose, lose for Democrats. 
big time. All right, folks, we're going to come back um, and hopefully be joined by uh, Rabbi Shmuley Boteik. Uh, I'm Steve Malsberg, right here on TNT. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you at the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks, and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you back. Um, let's get to uh, something else uh, before we uh, get to our guest, um, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley um, was uh, on ABC's This Week, and Jonathan Carl. Just as you saw the host of Meet the Press go after Lindsey Graham, when I say go after, it wasn't mean-spirited. There have been mean-spirited confrontations. But um, this was Nikki Haley. And again, this wasn't mean-spirited either, but she told it like it is. And, and what did I start the show out to talking about? Come on, you knew there'd be an exam. Come on, come on, think, think. The obsession. I said, what would the media talk about if they didn't have Donald Trump to talk about? And of course, um, that plays in here because Nikki Haley um, kind of said the same thing almost. Uh, so here's Jonathan Carl 
to Nikki Haley, who's gaining ground on Trump, but doesn't seem to be nearly enough um, to make a difference. We'll have to wait for Iowa and uh, and, and other uh, other, um, you know, primaries to, to see what happens. But nonetheless, um, it's all about Trump. They got Nikki Haley sitting there and it's Trump, 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 Trump. And she points that out here in cut 214. I mean, you're one of those, too. Y'all want me to either love him or hate him all the no, time. I'm just asking you to respond to a New Hampshire voter. I mean, so I did, and yeah. I responded to him in every way. And what I said to them was, anti-Trumpers want me to hate him, pro-Trumpers want me to love him, but this is where I stand. There are things I agree with the president on. I had a good working relationship with him. There are things I don't agree. I don't agree with the fact that, yes, we had a good economy while he was there, but he put us eight trillion dollars in debt that our kids are never going to forgive us for. I don't agree with how he handles national security. He focused on trade with China, but he did nothing about the fentanyl flow. He did nothing about the fact that fentanyl has killed so many of our Americans. I don't think you should praise Hezbollah. I don't think you should criticize Netanyahu when Israel's down on her knees. I don't think you should congratulate the Chinese Communist Party on their 70th anniversary. I think that when it comes to national security, we don't praise thugs. We let them know where we stand and we let them know they'll be held to pay if they do anything against us. That's who I am. Okay, but Jonathan Carl didn't care really who Nikki Haley is um, in and of herself. He wants to know what she thinks about guess who. Here's cut 215. I mean, he's running on retribution. He wants to go out and he talks about annihilating his enemies and using the criminal justice system to do so. What, what do you what do you think of that? You guys are exhausting. You're exhausting in your obsession with him. The thing is, the normal people aren't obsessed with Trump like you guys are. The normal people care about the fact that they can't afford things. They feel like their freedoms are being taken away. They think government's too big. I know y'all want to talk about every single word he says and every single tweet he does. That's exactly why we need a new generational leader. Because people don't want to hear about every word a person says or every tweet. They want to know how you fought for them that day. And they want to know how their life is going to be different. And life would be a whole lot different if the media would stop this obsession with Trump. And if you want to talk about Trump, if you really want to talk about Trump, why don't you go ask him if he's going to get on a debate stage in Iowa where Iowa's voting? Why don't you go ask him if he's going to get on a debate stage in New Hampshire yeah, no, where Granite good. Staters are voting? That's what you should be asking as the media, not asking about what he happened to say today. All right. Well, will that message uh, resonate? Will it get through? Will it mean anything at all? Absolutely not. But I do give her credit for uh, for giving it to Jonathan Carla, who, of course, is far from alone. It's the whole media and it's a plan and it's it's purposeful and we all know that. All right, uh, let me welcome in uh, our guest and a, a, a gentleman that I've known uh, for many, 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 many years, uh, Rabbi Shmuley Boteik, author of Kosher Sex, A Recipe for Passion and Intimacy. Um, wanted to get that uh, plug in for the book, of course. Rabbi, welcome, my friend. Steve, I miss you. It's so good to reconnect. And by the way, if we're, if we're promoting books on this subject, it'd be great if uh, people went out and bought The Israel Warrior, which is my book that teaches people how to defend Israel factually, historically, passionately, and emotionally. Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, you've written so many. Uh, when did that come out? 
Uh, it's it's just coming out now. The Israel Warrior. Oh, good, good. Okay, well then, my bad. Uh, the the Israel Warrior. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say you've written so many so many wonderful books over over the years. All right, so let's 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 talk, um, uh, Rabbi. And I hope your family's well and everybody's well. And uh, you know, I, I I follow you on Twitter and and all the things you do. Um, let, let's talk about today. And, um, you know, the New York Post had a great editorial, basically, basically about how uh, Joe Biden and, and the U.S. is uh, trying to sell out Israel. Uh, and, of course, we had our defense secretary landing there today and holding meetings with the war cabinet, with Netanyahu, um, uh, Secretary Aspen. Um, where, where do you see uh, this going, the pressure that day and public pressure it's public pr- i don't know what they say behind closed doors but it, if it's a lot worse than what we're hearing publicly then it's really bad but but in the middle of a war oh israel has to do this israel has to stop this and go into the next phase and just hunt down the leaders and they got to stop by this date and blah 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 i mean what's going on uh well steve uh, there's no question that President Biden deserves immense credit for standing steadfastly by Israel since the beginning of the war, especially the fact that he went into a war zone, first time an American president has ever done so in American history, four days after October 7th to show support for Israel. And then he gave this incredible speech the other night at the Hanukkah party in front of 800 people where he said he's going to see this through until Hamas is destroyed. The strange thing is that exactly 12 hours later, he spoke to a closed-door APAC meeting, it was leaked, there's nothing closed-door anymore, where he said that Israel is indiscriminately bombing uh, in Gaza and bombing the Palestinians. Now, you know, with respect to our president, that's a blood libel. It's not true. He had to walk it back. Um, he's a gaff machine, so I don't think he said it out of any kind of malice. But regardless, the, you know, the damage was done. But let's just be clear. When it came to uh, – the other day was December 7th uh, – the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, no one told the United States, listen, uh, you know, hold off a little bit on the Japanese. We actually dropped an atomic bomb on them, not because we're vindictive or wanted revenge, just because we wanted to save a million invading uh, American uh, troops. We fought Hitler to the very last bullet for the same reason. We decimated Hamburg, Essen, Cologne, Berlin. We, We flattened them and turned them into parking lots, not because we're vengeful, but because we wanted to break the will of the German people to fight. And that's why you've seen peace in the, in those countries uh, in Europe ever since. And unless we fight Hamas to the same kind of obliteration, you will see this war go on for 100 years. How much do you believe it's the media? I mean, again, I, well, well, first, let me ask you this. The political pressure. I, I think so much has been revealed here uh, to Democrat voters and Democrats, especially Jewish Democrats in this country, as to where this party, this Democrat party stands and the threat that as time goes on, this Democrat party is going to be a total enemy uh, towards Israel, an enemy of Israel. So do you think eyes have been opened? Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure of your political affiliation. I know you've supported Democrats. I'm not saying that is a bad thing, but I mean, have, have you, have your eyes been opened uh, by, by what's occurred here in the Democrat party? Well, Steve, let's be, let's be clear. You know, um, I ran as a Republican when I ran for Congress and the Republican right. party is unquestionably more staunchly pro-Israel. That doesn't mean that there aren't individual Democrats who've been outstanding. Look at this guy, John Fetterman, who's a progressive who came out of nowhere. I, and I he's know. He's been amazing. 
And by the way, I supported him against my very dear friend Mehmet Oz during the presidential, the, the, the Senate race, because I saw that Oz was going to be taking uh, orders from Erdogan. Um, he wouldn't even condemn uh, or acknowledge the Armenian genocide because he didn't want to offend Erdogan. But but Fetterman, who's a progressive Democrat, has really surprised us. Having said that, it's the Republican Congress which is so incredibly stalwartly support supportive of Israel. Now the question is, where which direction is the is the Biden administration going to go now? Are they going to pressure Israel to, you know, they're now speaking about a more targeted campaign. Are they going to put pressure on Israel? Are they going to cater to their base? Is Biden going to allow the very left-wing progressive squad to dictate uh, his policy vis-a-vis Israel? But there's some really bad Republicans too. You know, a week ago tonight or whatever, Thursday, uh, sorry, l- last week, I was at the Republican debate at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and I confronted Vivek Ramaswamy. He's like the squad. He wants to completely defund Israel right now in the middle of a war. You can watch the video on my site. I confronted him publicly in front of a thousand journalists in the spin room. And I said to him, you just said that you're the most pro-Israel candidate on the entire, you know, on the entire uh, uh, podium there. And yet you want my two sons, as you know, Steve, are both IDF soldiers. They're fighting right now. Vivek Ramaswamy wants them to fight with peace shooters. He doesn't want Israeli soldiers to have bulletproof vests, Kevlar helmets, night vision goggles. He wants to completely defund our most important ally who's fighting our battle. Because if Hamas beats Israel, God forbid, God forbid, forget about the a second Holocaust, the annihilation of the Jewish people. You're talking about them being on our doorstep tomorrow. So there are plenty of Republicans who really suck, and Ramaswamy is is at the forefront of them. What about uh, uh, Shmuley? Um, you talk about being on our doorsteps. Uh, the universities, that's one thing I'll get to in a second. But we see protests in front of and uh, Jewish-owned businesses in front of a, a restaurant in Philadelphia, where they defaced the front of the restaurant, where they was, some of them went in there. Uh, other businesses, uh, recently over this past weekend, uh, another one, I believe, in uh, a congressman's home in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. In, uh, in in Detroit, Michigan. He's a Democrat. He's a staunch supporter of, of Israel. And they, they, they started protesting and screaming and blowing whistles outside his home. Um, I mean, isn't it to an extent already here? Well, let's be clear. The squad uh, in general, but 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 uh, Rashida Tlaib in particular, is American Taliban. Uh, let me repeat that. Rashida Tlaib is American Taliban. Elon um, Omar is just a tiny little step behind. But Rashida Tlaib is an actual congresswoman of the United States who openly supports Hamas over Israel. I want to repeat that so that people will be shocked to their core because nothing's shocking anymore. You have a democratically elected member of the United States Congress who supports a gang raping, baby beheading, family crisp burning, genocidal terror group over Israel's foremost ally, a staunch democracy in the world's most tyrannical region. And to the extent that her influence and the squad's influence grows, we're all screwed. Because the only real difference, you know, when we say that 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 uh, anti-Semitism is getting as bad in the United States, Steve, uh, as it was in Germany in the 1930s, the huge difference, of course, is that there was government support for that anti-Semitism in the 1930s. And now there's government opposition to that anti-Semitism. Thank God. Look, God bless the United States Congress, who condemned Claudine Gay of Harvard the other day and demanded she resign, even as the Chabad rabbi was asking her to light the menorah, which kind of shocked me. But but the difference is Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib is like having, you know, um, 
I'm not going to say I don't compare people to the Nazis, but she is like having she is having an anti-Semitic pro-Hamas pro-genocidal force in the United States Congress. And if things like that grow, then you're looking at Germany in the 1930s, because the only thing that will stop a second Holocaust is law enforcement and government. So to the extent that Biden is influenced by people like her, that is frickin' scary as hell. We're talking to Rabbi Shmuley Boteik um, here on the Steve Molesberg show. Um, talk, talk about talk about the uh, the book. Well, you know, you know, Steve, I, I, I really want, um, you know, I, I, I really want to empower people with the information to fight back for Israel. You know, I, de- I debated Cenk Igor, who's running for the Democratic nomination for president, Young Turks. I mean, what an ignoramus. Um, he said stop killing all the Palestinians. Like he was screaming on the Pierce Morgan show, stop killing all the Palestinians. Why wouldn't you give them a state? And I said, Cenk, before you next do a national TV show, can I suggest that you, you know, read a Wikipedia page? The 1936 Peel Agreement was a separation between the Palestinian state and the Israeli and the Jewish state. The Palestinians rejected it. 1947 UN partition plan. The Palestinians rejected. 1967, Israel conquered what they call the territories. We call Judea and Samaria on the West Bank. Palestinians rejected it. I, I could go on. 19, you know, uh, 2000, Camp David Accords, Yasser Arafat, um, and and Bill Clinton. Arafat rejects it. 19, 2008, Ehud Olmert, uh, Ehud Barak. The Palestinians rejected. So I want to give people the information to be fighters for Israel and not be drawn into the lies, the smears, and the blood libels against the Jewish state. And that's what the Israel warrior is all about, empowering people with, the, with information. All right. So the Israel, the Israel warrior uh, is the book. I want to, I want to ask you, uh, getting back to the, uh, the politics of, uh, of everything here. Um, when you hear Donald Trump accused of being an anti-Semite, Hitler, a Nazi, uh, because he sat down with this one, because he correctly said, um, you know, Jews in America, this is way before October 7th, Jews in America had better wake up. If you vote Democrat, you better wake up if you if you support Israel. And of course, that was absolutely true. Uh, or anybody who dares to bring up George Soros is an anti-Semite, no matter what you say about him. I mean, the, the, the media's, you know, um, complicity in pushing this false narrative against anything, you know, Trump and all that and, and people on the right, when in fact, as I as I alluded to, I mean, you had BLM supporting Hamas, you had group after group after group supporting Hamas, they they ignore the, the Congress people you're talking about, for the most part, and focus on Trump ad nauseum, any little thing they could find to, to make it to call him an anti-Semite um, or anybody or, or anybody on the Republican side, MTG, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, she spoke it of this. And so she's an anti-Semite when they leave the, the, the left alone. Steve, let's be clear. To call Donald Trump an anti-Semite is an act of such repulsive vomit-inducing, stomach-turning libel. Anti-Semite? He has three Jewish grandchildren. He put on a kosher wedding for his beloved daughter, Ivana, Ivanka, when she married Jared Kushner, an Orthodox Jew. He is the best president for Israel that we've ever had. 
No one, you know, everyone focuses on the move of the embassy. I was there when it was moved. I think 2018 was a great miracle. But that wasn't even the best thing he did for Israel. There were countless things. The best thing he did for Israel was take us out of the Iran deal. How could you call a man who stops Iran from getting money to fund Hamas to kill 1,200 Jews? Because that whole attack on October 7th was funded by Qatar and their ally Iran. Or I should really say Iran and their ally Qatar. Qatar is a disgusting, vile, terror-funding government that plays all sides. And Iran, of course, the government is evil incarnate, not the people who suffer under them. And Trump took us out of that deal that Obama inflicted on us. And Obama, you know, might just have been the highest IQ president of recent memory, which just goes to show you, you can be incredibly smart and be a complete dumbbell. Because no matter how <laughs> smart and educated Obama is, which he is, is a brilliant man, the stupidity of actually believing that he was going to prevail upon, that he was going to prevail upon Iran to exert moral hegemony over the Middle East, that he was going to make them into good people. So let's call a spade a spade. Is Barack Obama an anti-Semite? Absolutely not. Did Barack Obama destroy the Middle East with his Iran deal? Absolutely, he did. This is now we see the fruit of it all. By the way, you know how close I am to Cory Booker. Uh, right. I don't know if you were even at our Shabbat table when you know when he's. I I, I was at a Shabbat dinner with you and Cory Booker at your lovely home. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, think about that. So here you have Cory, who happened to have been in Israel on October seventh, providentially. And he's now under the rockets of Hamas jogging. And he helped to pay for those rockets by voting for the Iran deal. And you know what Corey did? He hightailed it out of Israel, quickly got a flight. Who knows how? Because there were no flights out of Israel. Who knows how many strings they pulled to get ordinary people uh, off those flights so that the senator could be brought to safety. He showed cowardice. He ran away. So you, so you help pay for the attacks on the Israelis, and then you run when you're responsible in part for those attacks. And to Corey's eternal shame, two days later, Senator Joni Ernst turned up with a bipartisan group of congressmen and senators who weren't afraid. And then four days later, to his great credit, Chuck Schumer, the most powerful of all senators, the majority leader, also turns up to Israel, but Corey had run for his life, which just goes to show you these lawmakers have to be held personally accountable for, for their votes. Corey yep. voted with Obama to fund all this. So yep. to say that Trump is an anti-Semite is a slur. <laughs> it's disgusting and it has yep. to stop. Shmuley, Rabbi, um, uh, the, the Israel Warrior uh, I, I, is the book. Uh, I thank you so much. Stay well, stay uh, safe, and I look forward. And, I hope and you'll I come you, back. And, and, and I you. And next time we'll do some videos, Steve. Yes, yes. I, I, okay. I, 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 I'm just sitting. I don't know what happened, but uh, uh, next time I hope we do get the video. Thank you, Rabbi. God bless you. All regards. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Rabbi Shmuley Boteic, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we're going to take a break. We have one final segment left in the hour right here on TNT Radio. Right. I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears. Eyes. 
Would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. When a crisis hits close to home and across the globe, nonprofits are on the front lines ready to serve. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. The demand for charitable services has skyrocketed, and nonprofits are rising to meet the needs. Healing, nurturing, rescuing, honoring, protecting. Caring, inspiring. The work of philanthropic organizations of all sizes across all missions has never been more important. And it's donors and volunteers like you who make all this possible. Thank you. Together, we change the world. The Nonprofit Alliance. This is the Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, very interesting uh, conversation. I hope you found it interesting with, uh, with uh, Shmuley. And, uh, you know, look, it's going to be interesting to see how this administration, because they're now getting clobbered in Michigan in the polls. Uh, they're getting clobbered by, uh, the, you know, people who support, who don't support Israel, let's put it that way. And do you change policy to ensure the presidency? Now, Kamala Harris, on the other hand, she seems to be in a different administration than than Biden, or at least a different. Well, she seems to be with the rest of the administration. Biden, at least in public, is coming out in support of Israel. The defense secretary and others are saying, well, Israel has to do this. Israel has to do that. Kamala is like, we need a ceasefire. Well, ceasefire is like Israel surrendering that's not going to happen and but she is strategically thinking if joe go, joe drops out in the next year and it's going to be mine which i don't think it will ever be hers then i have to be prepared i mean whatever anyway 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 all right so let us um let us continue here and i want you to hear simone sanders simone sanders I've played this for you a million times. I don't think I have it here today. Simone Sanders in 2016, after the election, after Trump won, she's on CNN and she's a guest and she's saying, we don't need no white people running the Democratic Party. You would think that racist remark would have been the end of her career or at least reprimand, have to they'd be reprimanding her and, you know, no, her career took off, baby because she's on the left and she just said bad things about white people. And that's perfectly acceptable. Even back in 2016, I guess, perfectly acceptable. We don't need white people running the Democrat party, not only at the hierarchy, she said, write down the whole thing from the top to the bottom. We don't need white people. Wonderful, just wonderful woman. Uh, she wound up working for Kamala Harris. When Kamala was after Kamala became vice president, Simone Sanders was her spokesperson. Now she's got her own show. Guess where? You know, MSNBC. But of course, she has her own show on MSNBC. So here she has um, Tim Burkett, 
a Republican congressman, and um, I want you to listen to how she treats him. Here's cut two eleven. And there is, I think, some pretty incriminating evidence. You have Hunter Biden, who is who's run thirty over thirty million dollars through his family. He's been paid. There's over twenty two bank accounts, twenty shell corporations. This latest so, one was a $5 I understand, I understand oh, well. questions about Hunter Biden, uh, and Hunter Biden is currently, uh, I mean, literally, he is facing consequences for what he has done on his taxes. But I'm asking about President Biden, and I want to ask because only Joe Biden is now the fifth president in our nation's history to face an impeachment inquiry. So these are not common, uh, you know, this isn't just something that happens in every single House of Representatives, every single Congress. So House Republicans, you all are saying that you're going to follow the facts and the inquiry, but there has been no evidence that has been produced that the president committed a high crime or misdemeanor while he was president. And so if you don't find any evidence, at what point will the inquiry be considered concluded? Okay, now here it comes. You ready for this? Here's cut, we're skipping one. Here's cut 213. Are you going to let me answer the question, ma'am? I know you're a Democrat operative. You work for a Democrat consulting oh, firm. All right, Congressman, let's do it then since we're here. We're out of time, but we're going to do it. I used to, I did used to um, advise, I did used to advise a number of individuals. I've also advised some corporations and companies, but here I'm just here to be an advocate for the viewer. And I will ask you one last time, what is the evidence that the committee has that Joe Biden, while he was president, committed a high crime misdemeanor or treason? Because that is the bar for an impeachment inquiry. Well, you have to ask yourself, ma'am, why does a vice president or a president get forty thousand dollars through a, a Chinese communist corporation that has all been all right? Well, obviously- with that, thank you all very much, Congressman. It's always a pleasure, but you just can't come on here and lie. So she cuts him off and then says goodbye. Cuts his mic. You could see he's going. And you can't come in on here and lie. And that's it. That's the end of the segment. So the woman who doesn't think you need white people running the Democrat Party in 2016, gets promoted all the way up to her own show on MSNBC and gets to interview a white person, male congressman, and call him a liar after she cuts his mic off. I'll tell you, folks, it's only in America. (laughs) And only if you're on the left. And I'm going to stop there. You could figure out the rest if you think there's more to figure out. Okay, folks, uh, Jason Olborn is next. We'll do it again tomorrow. God willing, same time, same place. And, uh, you know, tell your friends, tell your enemies uh, to come right here, 9 p.m. on tomorrow, Eastern time. I should say Eastern time, right here on TNT Radio.